welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about Luke and Ben and weird armadillo friends. I'm Justin. I'm Jim. And this week on Forever Canon, we cover chapters, what, 13 through 16 of Fate of the Jedi, book two, Omen. I did it again. Yeah, yeah, there's a little, a couple little stutter steps, but you, <laughs> you, you didn't mess it up. That's great. Yeah, this week, this week we do chapters thirteen through sixteen, which gets us past the halfway mark. And mm-hmm. what is it, twenty five in this book, right? Yeah, so two more episodes after this. And then right, and then seven more in the series. Yeah, sounds like two more. Well, yeah, what what? Uh, it'll be yeah, it'll we'll, be we'll seventeen to twenty, and then yeah, twenty one to finish. Yeah. Cool. Well, the third last episode of Omen, and we're going to cover chapters 13 to 16. But first, bum, 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 previously on Forever Canon, Javis Tear is cramping Jedi cover-up capacity. Bastara is the coolest of a cool reverse Sith culture. Pocket hamsters named Pocket and scheming moths abound. Jaina and Jag ditch Javis for a B&B lover's jaunt. And that is the headlines from the previous four chapters. But that was last time. Those, this week, Tim. Those headlines yeah. sound terrible. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of been kind of been my thing all along, is like I want them to sound like not even newspaper article titles, like r- bad tabloid headlines, you know? Like yeah. po- poorly written and like not, not quite informa- informative. <laughs> Just enough to, huh? I wonder what that's about. Yeah, exactly. A little bit interest peaking, maybe sometimes misleading. Who knows? But this week we start with chapter thirteen. Aboard the Jade Shadow. And the most beautiful sight in the world, the Cathol Rift, is in front of Luke and Ben. And somewhere inside there is the home of the Angti Masters of the Flow Walk, who we set out to find last time. If you remember, we're picking up our, our our massive journey on follow Jason across the galaxy through time. Well, difficult. Yeah. In the Cathol Rift are the Angti, the people who taught Jason how to, how to flow walk. And I want to emphasize somewhere inside the Cathol Rift, right? Because... Starting off chapter 13, they reiterate a few times. They have no idea where the home world of these people are. They don't know They don't know how to find them. They don't even know much yeah. about them. Yeah, they're going off like a myths and half-finished reports. Yeah, it turns out Jason didn't leave good directions. So Luke fires up his handy new reverse lightning rod technique that he learned in Outcast, the previous book. And then they start jumping around. And chatting about flow walking. Ben wants to learn how to do it. And he says something here that I thought was, I don't know, a couple of things I wanted to comment on. He uh, says, uh, he says it's not a dark side ability like force lightning or force grip. Okay, number one, they call the Vader choke force grip. That's lame. Yeah. It's a choke. Don't call it a grip. Don't call it a grip. That sounds like that sounds like a. I don't know what is he got. I don't know what is like a, a bicycle handles or something. He's got new grips on. 
I don't, I don't know. I don't really like that. Second of all, I thought none of the powers were inherently good or bad. I thought we had come to that understanding, like in our Jedi mythology up to this point, right? Yeah, I think that they tried to do do it that way, and it didn't work. Yeah, I guess, but or maybe just Ben's a teenager and he's like, "Hey, I know those ones are bad." But anyways, I don't know. I yeah. I just thought I just thought we're beyond labeling force powers good and bad. I thought we were. Yeah, labels aren't good, man. Well, dark side lightning is. I mean, what? I mean, force lightning is clearly from the dark side. I guess. It well, it's, it clearly causes harm. So I think that's where he's going for. Yeah, but like, what if you're using it to power a generator to heat up an orphanage? Huh? Huh? All right. All right. All right. See? See? And then you eat the children. That's how you survive. Luke doesn't want Ben to learn how to flow walk. He doesn't want Ben to learn it. And just before saying why, Luke and Ben share a fun little spider hallucination. Where all of a yep. sudden, from every what, how, what is it? What does it happen? How does it happen? Yeah, they're like they're like sitting at the table, kind of chit chatting, and then all yeah, kinds of. Just, go ahead. Yeah, they're sitting there and they're they're talking. They're both at their their consoles or whatever, pilot, pilot, and co-pilot. And then all of a sudden, it starts with Benny. Just looks around and they're everywhere. They're crawling up his leg. Yeah, it's like an infinite amount of little you know, little, uh, arachnid, whatever's they are. Come yeah, he says, he says that the ship couldn't even contain them all. Right. As he like, they come pouring out of every crevice and out of, onto everything. And he's like trying to calm himself logically. Right. He's like, ah, we know mm-hmm. these, there's a lot of hallucinations out here. He's like, this, the ship couldn't even possibly fit that many spiders on it. Even if they had all been missed in the pre-flight checkup and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they managed to the, to back their way out of this hallucination. They talked about it before they came here. The rift really messes with your mind. And not only is it timey-wimey, it gives you hallucinations. Yeah, that's always fun. So, that's good. I guess. I don't know. I would hate the spider hallucination, too. They, no, that'd be, that'd be terrible. Too many likes. <laughs> but most importantly, Luke doesn't have to explain to Ben why he doesn't want him to flow walk. We get to avoid that conversation for another little while. And after long hours or days, was it, of searching? They eventually... Uh, I uh, think it was... Go ahead. I think it was hours? Yeah, I don't I think know. it was just hours, yeah. I kind of couldn't tell. It was like they were talking about like taking naps and stuff and like switching off and on. Could have been maybe a day, whatever. They're jumping around through hyperspace through this, this dangerous electrical storm nebula that causes hallucinations. And after all the searching, the Ang T find them. Dun dun dun. How the tables have turned. And Ben says that their presence in the force is like nothing he's ever encountered. They felt shifting, weaving in and out of the force, like they were not really a part of it. Although Ben knew that all living things were part of the force. They were there, and they were not, and they managed both at the same time. We got... They're, they're quant, quantum aliens, baby! Yeah. Yeah. They're there, yeah. they're not, they're both at the same time. They're, like, shifting in and out of reality, according to him, almost? Yeah. Well, apparently there's weird stuff out here in the galaxy that 
regular civilization doesn't know about, eh? Or or care about? Or like worry about even even the Jedi who are not I would consider regular in any way don't no, know about like, it either. They're like the most traveled of all citizens, probably, right? I mean, on average. But there's weird stuff out here. Ben reflects on how he used to be afraid of the Force. Remember when he was young? No reason. Just checking in on that thought in his head for no reason at all. Yeah. Yeah, he just drops that like we keep saying. Everybody keeps referring back to when, oh, these Jedi. Remember when we were young? Remember when all the Jedi were young? Remember, remember? Okay. (laughs) The Ang-T show up and find them. Send them coordinates and say, if you want to talk to us, uh, accept our challenge or whatever. And of course, Luke Skywalker accepts the Ang-T challenge to prove himself in order to earn information. It sounds like the Baron Doe, no? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit like the a rite of passage thing which each, with each new culture he goes to. Yeah, like, but it, is it going to be the same thing every time? Is this going to be another, hey, uh, come, you want information from our temple? You have to beat our strongest fighter. I don't know. I, well, I hope not. Be... I hope not. I don't want to. I just don't want him to do that every single place that they go. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it could just be that, like, if it's not necessarily the most fun from a narrative or a book reading standpoint, but he's they're going to like the outskirts of society where this would be a thing. Yeah, I guess right. Well, and the, like they all they know one of the few things they know is that these these people are like super xenophobic, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing. So, accept our challenge, and then we will prove to you how to get information or something. But fly the space corridors instead of underground corridors this time. Aha, different. Chapter 14. Aboard the Jade Shadow still. And it's challenge time, baby. Luke and Ben arrive on a barren moon with the apparent task of... Communicating with a singular Ang-T who walks out of his ship and just kind of stares at them and opens himself up to the Force or whatever, right? They, like, touch each other in the Force. Luke sits down with the alien armadillo. Ben joins for a little while. They kind of meld their minds or some shit. But Ben can't handle the weirdness of it, right? Because these guys are quantum armadillos. So, he bails out back to the Jade Shadow. And... Well, between the weird force exchange and, well, this this Ang-T named Tadar Ro, between the, the force exchange with him and the tentacles licking of the face. Yes, yes. I was hoping you were going to get to the licking and how weird that would be just to even see. Yeah, well, not weird if you're Luke Skywalker, I guess, because he just takes six snake tongues all over his face as a matter of course, and he passes the... First part of the test because he's a creep. Yep. <laughs> That's the only thing I can imagine. Possibly getting you through an alien opening up its mouth and six snakes come out and gently caress your face. <laughs> come on. What the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's weird. I hope it's like I hope it's at least like a like a dry tongue. Yeah, well, the guy explains it later, this Tadar Ro Ang-T, and I, I don't think I touch on it later, but he says their tongues communicate via pheromones. Yeah. And so, 
it's described as being gentle, but if you're using pheromones, there has to be some kind of residue you're leaving behind, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways, gross. Luke's a creep. So he returns to the shadow to tell Ben to get used to being licked. And for some reason, Christy Golden puts the fear of space god into me by having Ben realize how tired and mortal his dad, Luke Skywalker, looks. Yeah. Uh, uh, why? Why, Tim? Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim, why would you do that? Why? Any thoughts? Why? Yeah. Yeah? Why? I, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh. Oh, that's not good. They're talking about his wrinkles and stuff. So, sounds really bad. Oh, look how old and tired my dad is. He can see gray hair and he's looking tired. And, Gee, I yeah. sure hope he doesn't die. What do you think, Tim? Is Luke Skywalker going to die in this series? Uh, if he does, it'll be at the very end. If he does, it better be triumphant. Like, Mara's death was pretty good. It was a failure, yeah. right? So yeah. you want Luke Skywalker coming down on the other end of that, right? Give your life in a success. But at the same time, she had the extra badassery of leaving her ghost behind and ex- uh, and uh, uncovering Jason's evil plot for everybody. So, and I think it would it it better be something like you said, triumphant or like fantastic like that. Yeah, because he is, I would say he the, is the character. Yeah, he is the, the Star Wars Star Wars universe, the first or second of known people. Yeah, number one is Darth Vader, right? Because that Vader yeah. scene is this top top off on a uh, New Hope. Yeah. But he's been long dead. So all we have is uh, his little uh, womp rat blasting Luke Skywalker. And uh, it scares the shit out of me when people write stuff like this. Chapter 15. <laughs> Aboard the Jade Shadow, again still. Ben yeah. wants to know. How are we supposed to communicate with the tongue folks? But he says, sometimes his father was, quote, so cryptic. Yeah, buddy. Tell me about it. You should have read, you read the end of the last series. It was goddamn frustrating that he wasn't telling anybody anything. You know what? I don't think we ever posited this as a, as a possible reason at the time. But, you know, the guy's wife did just die. So maybe that's a big part of the reason for why he was so extra shut in and and unexplaining, you know. It's possible. It didn't still, seem still gotta like it. It didn't seem to hamper any of his uh, activity. Otherwise, though, once he like got yeah. out of his little grumpy funk. Anyways, yeah, I don't once, know, anyway. once you talk to once you talk to Ben. The, thank God that wise wise teenager who would never point at aliens and and laugh and say so weird. They arrive on the Ang Ti homeworld after having passed the test on the barren moon. And they find the answer of how they're going to communicate with these tongue folks. Uh, two microphones and a robot chest plate. Yeah? Yep. What the fuck? This is some this is some low budget early Star Trek bullshit. Yeah, it's weird. Oh, I don't know. Take the microphone, put a silver sock on it or something so it doesn't look like a microphone. Here, we're gonna we're gonna take this giant hubcap and flip it around backwards and hang it on your chest. We'll put some lights on it. 
<laughs> like that's all I'm picturing is the goofiest shit. Uh, but it's a, it's a it's a oh my god I don't know man it's it's fancy technology you know it's ahead of its time it's ahead of its game it is a pheromone translator I guess yeah he licks it in certain spots and secretes yeah, the right yeah his little and... snake tongues come out and boop 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 on his side of the microphone and it comes out as words off of his chest human male words and when Luke Skywalker talks into his microphone. I guess it turns into smells or something for the other guy. I don't know. Either way, hilarious that it's just two microphones. Very <laughs> low high tech. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it turns out, psych, that's not how you're going to communicate with us. Because they meet the elders and Luke and Ben get all tongued up. Yeah, they get licked immediately. They just have one device for this one guy and nobody else wants to use it at all? I don't know. Uh, everyone well, else is too proud. Or it's like, you know, the first time that we've let an outsider in and we have to be sure with our, our true senses type of thing. I don't know. That would maybe make more sense, right? Yeah, it's the first time in a long time that anyone's been there. Like, what, Yoda sent somebody there a long time ago? Yes. And we'll get to him shortly, actually, because after they all get tongued, they get led to a regular human home. Like a white picket fence type of house. Mm-hmm. Like a rectangular <laughs> walls and, and it has a the slanted steeple roof. And it probably has uh, daisies in the front yard or some shit. Because it's a regular, just human dwelling. And this part of the galaxy just keeps getting weirder. We talked last week about... These Ang T when Ben was like re, uh, re- reviewing uh, the information that he got from Silgal, right? And they yeah. they worship those who dwell beyond the veil, right? And they search for their relics and artifacts or whatever across the galaxy. Yeah. What the That's hell? An ominous little name too, right? Dwell beyond the veil, isn't it though? And so they they gather these artifacts of these gods. But of course, their religion forbids them from touching these artifacts. And so, hey, Jedi, Luke says, you were the one appointed to challenge us to see if we were worthy of handling your artifacts for you so that we could help your people decide whether to embrace so so profound a change in their way of thinking. Because... Apparently, there's a prophet here, right? Is that what is that what's happening? Yeah, there there is. That's what what's his name. I'm not sure if we've gotten quite to that part yet. No, that okay. We can touch on that guy who Yoda sent. His name was um, George Cardass, and I don't think yeah. he I don't think he is the uh, he's not the the heretic prophet guy who's dividing the population. He's just a dude. Who used to be here? No. He keeps coming up because Yoda sent him here. He's like the one of the last outsiders that anybody has contact with and stuff like that. Yeah, the prophet guy. Um, the reason everybody's in all in an uproar is he was like so exact in his prophecies, and but now he's dead. Right, and so now they're left wondering if you know his last prophecy will come true without his leadership type of thing. 
Yeah. So they're kind of a, a mess of alien armadillo society right now. And so the deal is, if you help us understand our artifacts, we will tell you everything about Jason. Which I think was weird that George Cardos came up so many times before Jason did at all. Because Jason was definitely here more recently. Yeah, but... Yoda's been dead since episode six. Five? Five. He probably, he probably wasn't quite as as friendly. He was there for the knowledge. He wasn't there to be friends or be And he helpful. didn't stay as long probably and stuff, but like... Yeah. I don't know. I, I just feel like it's weird that it takes Luke bringing him up for him to come up. As they mm-hmm. sit in this human house full of human knickknacks and a fucking rug and a teapot and who the hell knows what else, right? Yep. So Luke's side of the deal that he proposes, you tell us everything you know about Jason. And Tadar Rose says, deal. And just as he says, deal, Ben sneaks in his own request. Hey, teach me how to flow walk. Deal. And the deal is done. His dad's not happy either. No, I mean, he kind of just stepped right over his toes right there and uh, tricked this alien armadillo. Maybe didn't trick him, but I don't know. Whatever. Got him to commit to doing something his father didn't want him to do. But that's got to be part of being a Jedi apprentice, right? Like, I'm not just your son, I'm your apprentice. And he, like, gives some other reasons later about how, you know, it seems important for him to learn it. It's it's an important thing to him, uh, because Jason did it and tried to use it against him and all this stuff. And so Luke kind of relents and says, it's your, your house and your life. And so they bail on this gigantic dollhouse and head back to the shadow. With all of George's datapad diaries. I think his name is George. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can pronounce those J's however you want, but J-O-R-J, I refuse. To yeah, that. that, that's George for that's, sure. That's George all day. But how about this? We got three straight chapters of the same storyline. Yeah. Christy, I was shocked too. what are you doing? That is not as erratic as we're used to. That's not how these Star Wars books work, Christy. You have to have at least four different perspective cuts and scene changes in a chapter, in a single chapter. Where are all your where are all your your location headings? No, I actually like this a lot. No, it's great. Have like this just take thirty pages to tell this whole fucking story at once. It's a it's such a different format than what we're used to. And it fits nicely here. I don't know. But at the yeah, same... When, go ahead. Some consistency. Yeah. Oh, a lot of it. Three straight chapters of it. And at a time yeah. when, like, I'm kind of in the middle of the book going, I don't give a shit what Han and Leia are doing. I don't care what Jane is up to because she's just fucking boohooing about the press and her boyfriend. Uh, the Jedi are kind of boring. They're not really doing anything. Everybody's just kind of spinning tires studying and looking for answers right now right vestara is the coolest thing going but then we get three straight chapters of luke and ben being interesting and doing it all at once you know not leaving you none of those cliffhangers like would have been strong enough to make the payoff have to be later you know what i mean to have to delay the payoff yeah we're like oh my god we're hallucinating about spiders and then we find them dun 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 
I guess you could cut there. And then we go to the moon and he licks your face. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you know, you, I, mean, I guess, but I liked having it all together. Yeah, it's not, It yeah, it's, like I said, it wouldn't be worth it. You'd be like, oh, that's what I was waiting for? Which cool. is kind of a lot of what we get sometimes. Or even it'll be like cliffhanger at the end of the chapter and then it's solved in the first sentence of the next chapter, right? That's some Aaron Alston yeah. shit right there. Yeah, any any of our uh, our multiple listeners would know. That we've complained about it a few times. <laughs> any of our dozen of listeners. <laughs> our ten of listeners. Yes, the ten upon singular ten, chapter sixteen. <laughs> we are done with Luke and Ben, and this timeline, because we go to Kesh two years earlier. Where Vestara is flying her way to the temple. Remember, she was chosen to be an apprentice in the last episode. And uh-huh. on her little flight, she's dropping some cultural knowledge about the Sith as she goes. And I've noticed the beginning of this chapter is the very first thing. One of the very first things that she says about the Sith is that she casually drops the information that the tribe have slaves. And it's kind of the first bit of pulling back that that shiny uh, lacquer that's been given to these Sith, the whole first uh, appearances that they've had throughout the book, right? Where it's like, we have a family, the dad hugs the kid, everybody's emotionally supportive of each other and stuff like that. And yeah. then it's like bit by bit throughout this chapter, it, they get darker, starting right away with this, right? Yeah, a little more ruthless. Yeah, that's a good word for it. And maybe that's because she moves into the temple to start her training. And part of what happens, part of the the ruthlessness, is that they make their apprentices, of course, live with little to no material goods. Not any different from the Jedi, right? Yeah. More they don't similar. even have a real bedroom. They have a bed and they just change in the middle of the room. Yeah. Vistara, Vistara arrives, first of all, and her new master, Lady Rhea, threatens to behead Vistara's dragon pet if she cares about it too much. Okay, yep. that's pretty classic Sith, right? Yeah. That is, that's like, that's, um, oh my god, I can't think of what the hell, that's like, uh, that's, I can't think of what the army's called, but that's like, that's like Middle Eastern army stuff, right? Where they're like, here, you raise this puppy. And then you kill this puppy at the end of your training type of thing. Like yeah. that's root. That's ruthless kind of hard building of a human being. Purposeful, right? Manipulative choices. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you love your, do you love this dragon baby that you raised from a baby? Oh, uh, I'll kill it if you like it too much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she tells Vistara though. Love as much as you want, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but never be afraid to lose what you love. Yeah. Which, Don't love so much that you are afraid to lose it or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Which is a nice echo of, well, I mean, <laughs> the Skywalker Sith, right? That was Anakin's downfall. That was Jason's downfall. 
Jason would have been a great Sith if he hadn't had a daughter. Yeah. That he loved more than anything in the world and was not willing to let die, right? Same thing with Anakin and pregnant Padme. The two of them, (laughs) having failed this, this test of Jedi attachment, is a nice echo to throw in here. You know, it's it's not any different in the Sith culture, but the execution of it is, I guess, different because it's more literal execution. Yeah, it's, I will kill this thing if you care about it. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's kind of the most repeated problem in Star Wars. It's, yeah. it, it's the whole impetus of the Jedi Code, right? Is no attachment. Is Battle yeah, with that's that. the biggest thing. Yeah. And so, anyways, back to the Sith Temple. Vestara describes her new room, and it's a vast, open hall full of beds. Because no more privacy for apprentices either. That would be too good of treatment. Everybody must be yeah, broken down like, like animals, right? They don't want anybody getting too soft. Yeah, apparently training is where uh, the psychological warfare begins. The rest of the rest of your life has been fine, fine time in Sith culture. Living here is great. Being a Sith is great until you get to training, and we're gonna break you down, which is not, you know, uncommon for military type of training, isn't? No. Isn't it? Isn't that like every movie, every horror story of basic training is like, you got you got what's his face? I can't remember the actor's name, but homeboy with the hat screaming in your face, spitting all over you. And, trying to break you down psychologically to build you into what they want you to be. Yeah. To what their vision of you is supposed to be or something. Yeah. And sometimes more importantly to, uh, remove the resistance of questioning, uh, authority. Yeah. <laughs> to the point. And so, yeah, I guess this is where we're going to start breaking down the apprentices and lady Rhea gives Vestar a reason for why, you know, they don't have their own room. You all share a shower, whatever, whatever. Because the galaxy is ours. Learn to be comfortable anywhere. A timely lesson that she passes on to Vestara, as moments later, Ship gathers all of the Sith, and assembled around him, he bursts their collective bubble with some facts. Number one, uh, Jedi rule, Sith drool. Number two, we're almost extinct. But yeah. number three, you you are you are the biggest collection of Sith there is right now. Yeah, I found some other ones. They fucking suck. I'll show you later. Because number three, most importantly, I will teach you. How about that? We yeah. spent we spent a while wondering. What was it at the end of book seven or eight or something like that, where ship disappeared in the last series and. We talked about it at the series end. Where's Zach? Where's Ship? Well, here's yeah. where Ship's been for two years. Training a tribe of Sith. That is not insignificant, right? That's No, that's, not at all. That's like a that's a galaxy changing type of uh endeavor. <laughs> yeah, definitely trying to shift the entire balance of power yeah he's making good use of his downtime in between book series that's for sure i don't know if the same could be said about zek but now nah, he's, he's napping somewhere floating through space <laughs> yeah i hope he's napping i i started to like that guy after he was done with jaina 
Yeah. Once he was like, all right, I'm over you. Then it was cool. Anyways. One moment. Ship takes 5,000 years of naivete and shatters it. They thought they were the rulers of the galaxy. Just kind of lost and they're stuck out in their own spot. But obviously we won the war, right? Yeah, nothing would ever change. We were so empowered. And and not to hammer it down again onto the military talk. None of this is in my notes. But you, how would you believe that you lost the war? You that's not a, that's not a thing. You, no, you believe your side is right. First of all, let's you know just even speaking specifically about the Sith Jedi War of five thousand years ago in science fiction each side thinks that they're right and so believing that you're right makes you believe that you will win it's just a it's just simple logic right it's it's like basic human emotion the thing that i believe is right and the thing that i am right or the thing that i believe is right will always be right it can't be yeah. wrong yeah that's how belief works right and so after 5000 years of being like yeah, you know, someday we're going to walk back out there and meet all our Sith friends. 5,000 years of thinking that. You thought you thought you were on the right side of the war, but surprise, you lost. And so the question is, what now? And there's a quote from Vestara's thoughts. They would plan and learn and mount an attack on the Jedi who had defeated their forefathers 5,000 years past. The Sith would rise, completely unexpected, and claim what was theirs. After all, they were Sith, were they not? That's... So, so badass. That is such a title drop omen. Yeah. Man, that is a good little segment there at the end that Christy Golden wrote. At the end of this chapter, I love that. But this is two years ago. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So they've got two years to plan, train, and strategize. Two years to figure out what they're going to do. In fact, Young Jedi, maybe? Ha <laughs> Could it be them, do you think? Who knows what, what ship could have taught them, right? Yeah. They've got two years to figure it out. And we've got until next week when we cover Fate of the Jedi, book number two, Omen, chapters 17 through 20. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Two years later. <laughs> For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.